ครับว่าDecember 11th, 2023 year of our Lord. We begin this morning with George Witten of WorthyNews.com. Let me see if we bring that up. Oh yeah, let me figure this out. One, oh, this is what we didn't do. We got some, got a few little glitches here. We got uh, had to update my computer system. So, but, uh, bear with me for just a minute. Title. Uh, let's see, what do we want to do here? Yeah, things working automatically so long that you. Forget how things go here. And, okay, tell you what, this, I'll tell you what, this, Scott, let's, let's go, let's go from the top one here. Okay, let me back you up just a little bit. Let me put this up. Stand by. Here we go. Mike, you're cute. Welcome to Worship Call with Bible Teacher Buzz Lovett. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the second day of the week in God's created order, Monday. December 11th, 2023 year of our Lord. And we begin this morning with our friend George Witten of WorthyNews.com. How's that, folks? Let's turn you down just a little bit. 
All right. Almost good. Friends, the Lord's gifts and calling are irre- irrevocable. Ooh, something we talked about yesterday. Irrevocable. I like it. All right. And he says, friends, um, be a lot. Li- uh, oh, no, that was last week. Don't mess up. That's fine. Friends, be a light. This is what, what is today. John 10, 23. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, Hanukkah. And it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Hanukkah. A time of celebration, a rededication. Began tonight in the land and all Jewish people all over the globe, those of us who, who are, are gifted and through the atoning work of Messiah, we who know, we who know God, have an opportunity to see a deeper significance in the biblical holidays and are not only welcome but encouraged to celebrate as well. Over 150 years before Yeshua's Jesus' birth, a group of Jewish warriors led by the Judah Maccabee defeated Antiochus the the fourth through a terrible out though terribly outnumbered by their foes. The Maccabees triumphed over the Grecian Syrian Empire. This led to the establishment of Hanukkah, the feast of dedication. According to the ancient Jewish legend, Judah entered into Jerusalem only to find the temple desecrated by a sacrificed pig and an idol of Zeus. Upon seeing this, he immediately began to cleanse the temple. Judah also found that there was only one uh, one cruise of uncruise uh, of undefiled oil which could burn in the temple menorah. Only candelabra which had to be Continually burn. This oil was only enough for one day, but it miraculously lasts for eight days. Just enough time to get more of the special oil made. So, in memory of the miracle and the rededication of the Temple Hanukkah, or the Festival of Lights, has been celebrated by Jewish people for over 2,000 years, and was even celebrated by Yeshua himself. Every Hanukkah, Hanukkahs, the candelabra of nine candle holders are lit. Each each Hanukkah has a special candle known as the shamash, which is raised over the eight uh, the other eight. The word shamash means servant, helper, or minister. So shamash candle is a servant candle or a minister candle and is used to light all the other candles. It is the servant who is raised up and lights all others, symbolizing Messiah for us who believe. Yeshua came and proclaimed that he is the light of the world, and whoever follows him shall have the light of light. The one who serves the Lord will be the light, and the one who does the will of God will shine. The more we serve the Lord and earnestly do his will with all our heart, soul, and mind, the more we will shine with the light of God and so ultimately we'll be raised, we will raise up. Friends, let's strive to serve the Lord with gladness this season and light up the world around us. 
We may be small, but small light will go a long way in a dark place. Your family in the Lord with much agape love. George, Bartrevka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity once again to meet together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for wellness, though we still got a little bit of sickness hanging on, just coughing and stuff. We pray, Heavenly Father, that that can be subsided today. Pray, Heavenly Father, that you open our hearts to the study of your word this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Okay. Got a few glitches. I, I had to, uh, my other computer was, was going down for the count. So we had to upgrade the computer. And so I had to put the software, all that on it. So anyway, all that aside, um, feeling better today. I was out sick Thursday and Friday. Had the crud and, uh, not real bad, but, um, certainly with the coughing and hacking and all that kind of stuff. Well, that didn't. Uh, and then if I, I just remember at the last minute, I was hooking up the microphone. We messed up. The microphone messed up Wednesday. So, anyway, I don't know where it messed up at. So, with all those glitches, I'm glad you're here. Mom, I love you. Glad you're here. Uh, Tim, later on, we'll, we'll talk. So, uh, we are today, and back, I'm always glad you're here. All right. So, uh, where are we at? Um, where are we in our study here? Oh, do we have the right stuff up here? Yeah, the wedding feast. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I got a little bit off. So, um, okay, we are, let's, let's go ahead to Matthew. Uh, we're gonna go to Matthew. Um, we have 21, 21 to 1, 4. And, uh, I should have brought a timeline up here, but that's okay. We, we messed up with everything else as well. So let's go see where we're at now. Remember that we are we're setting this up. Um, we're um, we're in a part timeline. Uh, the Lord had already. Uh, we're in the Passion Week. Um, you know, not apropos to Christmas, I guess, but we're more on the um, Easter side or the re- leading up to Resurrection Sunday and the Passion Week. I think by the time that rolls around, we might be close to getting to the cross at that point and our, our, where the victory is won. But here we go. Um, so at this point, Jesus is confronted by the chief priests, the big dogs. And they want to know where he gets his power at. And he first questions. He says, you, 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 know, you answer this question. And he asks about John the Baptist. Where does he get his story from? He talked a he gave a uh, the parable of the vineyard, and remember, the Lord isn't the Lord's back is not against the wall. In a sense, he's still ministering. Okay, he's these guys aren't bad guys. Yes, can we agree? Yes, we can. Well, I will. These guys are the bad guys. They were seeking to to kill Jesus, but Jesus is still dealing with them in faith. No, he's not talking plainly. And we could argue that if maybe if he talked plainly, they would believe he talked plainly. The first in in the first gospel from one to uh, from Matthew one to twelve, he was talking plainly to these people. And um, but with the with their rejection, then he began to speak in parables. But they still had the opportunity to. For conviction, 
for for believing and but at you know maybe here maybe not they argue with it uh, because at some point I believe their hearts are hardened to a point of no return. You might argue that this might be as well that they're turning around. But also we also we have to remember that there's an audience, and sometimes those who you, who are attacking you, uh, it's not really about them, you or them, but it's about who's listening in. And when you're given a gospel, when you're given the truth, it is an opportunity for others to hear it and overhear it, over to over to to hear it in their periphery and to consider the conclusion. So you're treating gently those that are attacking you, but you're also um, you're also dealing with the one right before you to, as well. So we're coming into the third parable here. He's still. Uh, talking to the chief priest. So here we go. And Jesus spoke to them again in parables. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out the slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened uh, livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready to come to the wedding feast. Excuse me. I got kill button. I can do that. You know. Anyway. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, the other to his business. The rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. I'm going to stop right there on there. And, um, there's enough to cover probably for this week. And then I'll, I'll get to the unwelcomed visitor in there later on. First thing I want, um, first thing I want to cover this morning, you know, generally we look at the, some we mentioned yesterday as well. When we're looking at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're looking at these parables. Now, I may it just may just be me, okay? Uh, so um, I'll just say, I'll just say me. I've been accustomed of looking and and interwining the church, uh, and and all about the church in these parables. What the you know. That what what's going to happen with the church and the calling out of the church and calling out the bride and stuff. Um, I'm still working on this. I'll I will I will concede where I'm wrong, but you know I'm still working out on some of these things. When we're looking at the gospel, first of all, it's important when we're looking at the Bible and who is it written to, and what is their perspective. And 
the first of all the gospels were not written to the church. Now, all the Bible, we, the church is the whole Bible. All scriptures God breathed and is profitable for you and I. You know, oh, for both of us, it's all scripture is good for us. Okay, but um, but there is a but in context. We have to know who the Bible is written to. And essentially, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written to Old Testament saints. Remember that the church is a mystery. The church, which we are living in now, is the calling out of the bride. It's mystery doctrine. It's that which is not yet revealed. Except in, in, in small uh, except in, at times when there is just um, a little mention here and there, we we can look even look back on the Old Testament. Some types may foreshadow the coming of the church, but nonetheless, it's it's something that's still here. Where we are in Scripture, it's it's generally about fifty four or fifty five days before the church is even brought onto the scene. At Antioch, when 120 believers in, the, in that upper room will receive the Holy Spirit. So, with that said, let's set aside, let's pretend that we're these Jewish believers, we're the audience, and we know nothing of the church. You see, when we're talking about the church, we're talking about when the church begins. It puts the age of Israel to a halt. There's a timeline. And, and Daniel prophesied this in Daniel. 490 years. But there is a cutoff where the, where the Messiah has been cut off. And when that happens, time stops. The, the, the clock on Israel stops. And I believe the word is intercalation. That there's an insertion of the church in that timeline. So you have Israel, you're on, you got Israel, um, like, uh, let's just say, like bookends. You got Israel and you got Israel on both sides of the bookends. In the middle of the, uh, bookends, where you have the books, the books are the church right there in the middle. Alright? The clock stops on the left bookend, and it begins again on the right bookend. This middle, that's, it's not even in consideration. I'm going, to, I'm going to present to you that the church is not even considered. Get that out of your mind. Set that aside. We're not even talking about it. Like, like there's no, not even a stoppage of time. That time is going to flow right on through. So then, with that perspective, let's take a look at what some of the things that um, we're going to bring out. And this is new in one fact uh, as I'm working this out, some of these things are really when it comes to the church and Israel. There is, for me, there's a quite a big difference. Okay, let's go back to our passage here with that in mind. Now we're just Jews. We're not. We're not the church at this point. Well, let's just look at it in the perspective of a Jewish believer. Jesus spoke to them. Them are them specifically as the high priest you know, carrying on this conversation. In parables, okay. A parable is a uh, parabole is that is a story set beside the truth to illustrate the truth. 
Okay? And he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Okay? Um, this genitive right here, we often see this as kingdom of heaven, but it can be kingdom from heaven. When we're looking at, I think, kingdoms, when we look at kingdoms, we also have to look at kingdoms in, con- in context. Just like we do with love, just like we do in salvation. When you say kingdom, what do you mean? Okay, because there, we can have, there are a number of different kingdoms. And I think there's a number of different kingdoms throughout the narrative that we need to see in context. Let's just go over some of the kingdoms. First of all, there's the kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom came when Adam forfeited his right to rule over the, um, over the world. Adam was a rule, world leader. He had dominion over the entire world. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And when Adam, when Adam, um, Said he left a void of, of rulership. He left a void. He let he stepped down from his throne, and Satan steps right in, kind of like a bubble. He steps back in, and now Satan is the ruler of this dark world. Ephesians two, uh, Ephesians two, and and John talks about the ruler of this dark world, and other passages talks about this and uh, this kingdom and that. And it's a kingdom of darkness. It's a cosmic system. Uh, the kingdom that was offered to Jesus uh, by Satan are his. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus did dispute him or contradict him and say these kingdoms are not yours. So, um, so there is that kingdom of darkness, the cosmic system. There's also the world kingdom. The... Um, Going back to what we're, um, what we just mentioned, going back into Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. The Lord gave dominion, rulership to Adam and his bride. Very important that we, we, we hear that. Adam and his bride. Okay? There, and it was God's purpose. And I tell you what, let's let's get, let's just go to that, and we we've got time. We'll pick this up tomorrow, where we we'll go to Genesis one twenty six. And Genesis one twenty six is then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air." of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created him in his own image and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created him. And God blessed him. And God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here is the kingdom. The kingdom was for sure uh, was on display from the very beginning that Adam and his bride would be ruling over the entire 
earth. Okay, this entire earth. This, we call this, we can put this up here, uh, you can write this down, this is the theocratic king, the, um, a theocratic kingdom. It, 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 or the administrative theocratic kingdom. It is a kingdom of God ruled by man under the authority of God. Man, Adam, would be God's representative. And this would be his kingdom. Okay? Now, what God had purposed from the beginning, he intends to bring to its full conclusion. Okay? And that's the kingdom. But this this kingdom, uh, this earthly kingdom, is going to be short-lived. <laughs> Laws of thermodynamics. It's, it's going to be broken down. But here it was that um, in the end, we as believers, we're looking to, for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. It's going to be a different kingdom altogether. We're going to see that in Revelation. I believe it's Revelation uh, I think it's Revelation 22. Let's take a look at that. And this would be the New Jerusalem. Um, then he showed... Uh, bringing this back. Then he showed me the river of water. Life and... Cl- uh, of life, clear and crystal, coming out from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was a tree of life, uh, bearing 12 kinds of... F- fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, and there was no longer any curse, and no, and the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be it, and his bond servants will serve him, um, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and you can read on from that. So this Second Peter 3.13, this is what Second Peter 3.13 says, that we are looking to, for a new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. This is another kingdom. And this, this I believe this is also the celestial kingdom that Abraham was looking for. And we read that in Hebrews 11. And um, on the faith scripture. Um, and Noah. And we come down. Back up. Yeah. By faith, this is this is Abraham uh, this is Abraham here. By faith he lived as an alien in land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents, Isaac with Isaac Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, and he was looking for a city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. So we have that celestial kingdom, that New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. There is also the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. And that millennial kingdom is given to, uh, it's that 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ. Um, we've been over this before. That goes into Acts 1. And... Um, after the resurrection of Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. And um, they said, uh, they come up with a question. So when they were gathered together, this is verse 6, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? 
Uh, this is not the celestial kingdom. This is not the eternal kingdom. This is not the world kingdom, but this is the kingdom for Israel. It's the, with the boundaries. Uh, we find that in Ezekiel. It's a fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. And, um, and this is the millennial, this is within the millennial reign, those 1,000 years. And Jesus said, Jesus said to them, it is not for them, it is, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and epochs which the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria, even to the furthest parts of this world. So one of the things that we have a different view of kingdoms, which, which kingdom are we speaking back at, at any particular time? Let's go back to so with that in mind, let's go back to Matthew 22, 1 through 4. Tom, we, got, we only got a few minutes left on here. All right. Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom from heaven, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. One thing for sure is whatever kingdom we're talking about is a defeat of Satan. It is... Um, a kingdom, the kingdom from heaven is an intrusion upon that darkness. The ruler of that kingdom is our Lord Jesus Christ. It is God. The light coming into this world once again. We see it from the very beginning when, when the world was dark. And, um, we see the same thing being, being all over again in Genesis chapter 1, um, Genesis 1 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And two, and it became dark and void and dark, or empty and void and darkness over the face of the earth. And three, light, light was shined out of darkness. And so in this dark world, listen, we've got something coming. We've got the kingdom. We've got the kingdom of light coming down and um, going to be established. And it's within, it's going to be established in enemy's territory. It's going to say, darkness, move over. That's an amen. That's a promise, and that's keep, and, and um, that's something we can take to um, rest assured. So the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and um, and that's and let's just explain the wedding feast, and then we're um, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. The wedding a uh, wedding feast. Israel type is when um, a it is normally last a week. A, a, a wedding was a big thing. It was a big to do, and um, we and all the way through just all the way through history, going back to Jacob, there was a wedding feast, and that wedding feast would last for a week. Um, there was a wedding feast in Canaan, and it was. Um, it would be, uh, they had a problem with the running out of, of wine. See, the, the groom and, um, and the, 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 the party had to be sustained for a week. So he had to have enough wine. He had to, so it was, it was a big party. And so not only was this a big party that the, this is the king. His son is getting married. His beloved son is getting married. 
So this was a big to-do. So he sends out invitations to all the land for people to come. And um, probably to dignitaries, to landowners, to business owners and stuff. And what they would do is these landowners, business owners, what have you, they would put their servants and their their um, shopkeepers and everything. They say, okay, you've got it, you got it, because i got this wedding to go to. Now, Tim, you and I remember, know this, and I think Beck realizes this too, you know, being growing up in the, in, in the military. When a high-ranking official in the military, that would be a general, you know, a high officer, has a pardon. Say, yeah, a colonel, a general, and they have a party, and you're invited to the party. It's not, the, the invitation isn't something that you can really opt out of. There is an invitation. But when it comes from the general, and you're a lower-ranking general, you are going to be there. Though it's cordial, though it's polite, it's basically in order. Tim, if you were, if the, uh, if the general, you know, here you are as a sergeant, and the general says that, you know, Sergeant Foy, you've, you know, you've got a, uh, here's your invitation to be at the general's house, and, you know, he's inviting you to, um, to attend the wedding reception of his son. Tim, do you think you're going to find other things to do that day, regardless of what it is? No. That invitation is more of an order than it is anything else. Here it is, the king. And this is the king. This is the sovereign king of the land. This is a king who owns everything. This is a king that basically has sovereign over your life. And he says, here's my son, my honored son, the one whom I love. And I'm going to, I'm inviting you to this wedding. You know? To reject that invitation. And coming back to our relationship with God. To reject the invitation for that wedding party would be a sin. It would be a complete, it would be an insult to the sovereignty of the universe. So, so, okay, so today we talked about the kingdom, talked about what the kingdom is. We also spoke about the fact that also, let's take a look, consider the church age in contrast to the Old Testament way of thinking. And we, we talked about how, putting aside the church age, um, the church age thinking. Look at this as a, a continuous timeline um, without the insertion of the church. And that's where we're going to continue on with this dialogue, with this teaching throughout. And um, we will pick this up. Lord will and Spirit guide not depending in the AM. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your word. Great heaven, Father, clarity of understanding. Of understanding, I believe, is very, very, all these parables are so important. And it requires looking into and digging into and coming to understanding. I pray, Heavenly Father, for clarity of, of speech of the speaker, for those that are listening in and tuning in and, and coming together in fellowship. I pray for discernment of spirit. I pray, Heavenly Father, let us lay aside our presuppositions that we may come to your scripture and see it for what it says. 
and not what we think it says. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So tomorrow, stay motivated, Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting good fight of faith. Lord will in spirit time. Rapture penny. We'll be back here in the AM. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.